Good morning, Venture Church. So good to be here with you. My name is Fernando. I serve as the missions pastor and the director of the Leadership Outreach Ministry here at Venture. If you are new here and want to know more about Leadership Outreach, we have a brochure like this one here back there for you. You can take it home with you. I'm so glad that you are here today. I also want to welcome those that are watching us online. I enjoy every opportunity I have to share the Word of God with you. I brought my glasses just in case I need it. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, before we pray, uh, let me give you a quick update from my last trip to the Amazon three weeks ago. Uh, about 50 pastors and church leaders from seven different denominations participated in our training in the city of Anuri. Anuri is eight hours by boat from the mainland Manaus, and uh, we have been working in that city since 2015. This time we had a, a, a week of training with the pastors, 50, 50 of them. We were talking about discipleship and collaboration and great commission. And we shared the gospel of Jesus with about 300 children during that week. We spent a great time in fellowship and prayer with our leaders and missionaries there. And since 2015, we have planted four churches in that city. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. So um, it's so good to see how God is using our ministry, not just uh, here in Naples, in Southwest Florida, but around the world. We are now in 12 countries. We have over uh, 1,000 uh, church leaders enrolled in our program. And uh, it's so amazing to see how God is using our ministry. Uh, let's pray, and then let's uh, dive into the Word of God. Father, we come before you this morning. Um, our hearts are open. We want to hear from you. And I ask you, Lord, to glorify your name through the preaching of your Word this morning. May our lives be edified. May your name be glorified. Lord, I praise you and I thank you so much for this privilege we have of coming together in your name to worship you. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let me ask you some questions. Uh, what does your daily relationship with God look like? And I'm not just referring to Sundays, uh, but your everyday routine. Do you have a heart for God? You see, I'm asking you these questions because the first and great commandment in scriptures is that we should love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. But for a lot of people, relationship with God feels something very distant and very cold. It is impossible to love God the way we should if we feel we are distant from him. So how are you going to develop this kind of love for God? How can you or how can God have the first place in your affections? And I know uh, many of you want to experience this intimacy with God in your everyday life, but you just don't know how to develop. And I, what I want to show you today is that you will never love God this way until God becomes personal to you. 
J.C. Ryle, a British pastor of 150 years ago, he said it like this. You will never grow as a Christian until you experience the habit of communion, communion with the Lord Jesus. Until you develop a personal intimacy with him. Until you deal with him as you would a best friend. Until you turn to him first in every need. Consult him at every step. Talk to him about all your difficulties. Spread before him all your sorrows. Allow him to share in all your joys. Do all things as in his sight. To go through every day leaning on him and looking to him. When I read this quote... The first thing that came to my mind was, this is the point at which Bible doctrine turns into a dynamic relationship. When Bible verses become a voice and when the Christian life really takes off. Do you want to have this kind of intimacy with God? As a man would relate to a friend or as a lover would relate to his or her beloved. Today we are starting a three weeks uh, study in the book of Colossians. And I want to encourage you to read this book at your home. Today we are going to look at chapter 1, verse 15 to verse 22. And his scholars, they tell us that in this passage, Paul is most likely quoting a hymn or a poem, a common song in the early church that gives us a clear description of who Jesus is. Paul is singing a song in these verses, a song of praise, celebrating the centrality of Christ in everything. Let's read together. Verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. Amen? Okay. Who is Jesus? In short answer, Jesus is God. And Paul is going to say this in many different ways in this passage. I want you to see this because this is key for how you are going to develop your relationship to God. Who is Jesus for you? That's a question that all of us have to answer. Who is Jesus for me? Starting in verse 15. Let's go line by line. Jesus is God. And here's how Paul is going to explain that. Verse 15. 
Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God. Let's focus on the last two words, invisible God. God is invisible. He is a spirit. Human eye cannot see him. So the question is, how can he be known? How can he be perceived by us? Answer is the incarnation. The act of being made flesh. The son of God took on fleshly, bodily form. Jesus was the image, the icon of God. He was the representation of God. You might ask, but isn't man made in the image of God as well? Yes, but Paul means something fundamentally different here. To see that humans are in the image of God means that there are certain things about us that correspond or resemble God. For example, our personalities, our rational way of thinking, our relational abilities, and etc. But Jesus is the exact representation of God. It means that all that God is, Jesus is. If Jesus were not fully God, then he would not be the exact representation. We are made in the image of God, but Jesus is is the image of God. He is the full representation of God. Everything that God is, Jesus is. Meaning, your relationship to Jesus, who is Jesus for you? Your relationship to Jesus equals your relationship to God. Same verse, 15. Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. People see the word firstborn and they ask, what does that mean? Does it mean Jesus was the first thing God created? That's not what the phrase means. Firstborn in Hebrew culture could mean one of two things. It could literally mean the first one born or it could also be a position of inheritance. For example, Isaac was called Abraham's firstborn, even though technically Ishmael was his firstborn. But Isaac is called the firstborn because he is the one who got the position of inheritance and all the promises. And the same thing happened with Jacob and Esau. Jesus is the firstborn, the firstborn over all creation. It means the position that God gave to him. Look at verse 16. For everything was created by him, Jesus, in heaven and on earth. Everything was created by him. The visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. All things were created by Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3 in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through, through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus is the firstborn of 
creation. He is the heir of all things and all of the promises. Verse 17. He is before all things. And by him all things hold together. In Jesus all things hold together. At the center of the universe. At the center of all creation. Is a God he's so core. And so central to it. That all things hold together in him. In him we live, we move, and we have our being. He's the ground of our being. Paul is saying that at the center of our being is a God who is holding it together. And not just that, but a God that when you are in right relationship with him, holds your life together. As Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Jesus is the one that gives life. In him, all things hold together. His hand is in everything. It is in you right now. It is putting longing into your heart. When your life is out of fellowship with the Almighty God, your life begins to fall apart. Hear this. Our lives fall apart if Jesus is not at the center of it. That's why your heart is in the state that it is in. That's why you are worried all the time. That's why you cannot find peace and happiness. Because you are not daily connected to the one who, in whom we live and move and have our being. He is the firstborn over all creation. It is all by him. It is all for him. It is all about him. He was there at the beginning. He writes the story in the middle. And he's going to be there at the end. Verse 18, he's also the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. Meaning, in Jesus, we get a glimpse of what we and all of creation are going to be like in the future. We see in the resurrected Jesus what God is making us. The new creation. He is also the head of the body. The church. Meaning the source of new life. So that the closer we are to him. The more his life flows in us. You want God's res resurrection power in your heart. In your family. In your ministry. You need to draw closer to Jesus. You got to be connected to the head. The closer you are to him, the more you will see the effects of him in your life. And Paul continues in verse 18. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So that he might come to have first place in everything. And that's our application today. Our application for life. I want Jesus to have first place place in my life do you want to have Jesus as first place in your whole life before I talk more about this let's keep going verse 19 for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him 
The word fullness is the Greek word pleroma. God is not a pie that is divided into three equal parts. No. There is one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is one in essence and three in person. Each person is fully God. Meaning in each one the fullness, the fullness of the other two dwells. In the Father is the Spirit and the Son. In the Son is the Father and the Spirit. In the Spirit is the Father and the Son. One God existing eternally in three persons. It's a mystery. But Paul's point is, as Christ dwells in you, the fullness of God dwells in you. You get that? As Christ dwells in you, the fullness of God dwells in you. Verse 20. And through him to reconcile everything to himself. Whether things on earth or things in heaven. By making peace through his blood, through his blood shed on the cross. Think about it. We were the criminals. And yet, Jesus was the one who paid for our freedom. Not only did he come after us to rescue us. He paid the debt of our sins in our place. Here's the king of the universe. The creator of everything. Taking upon himself the affliction of our sin. The affliction of the creature. And dying for it. And because Jesus was God. God was the one doing that. When you see Jesus dying on the cross. You see God dying on the cross. When you see Jesus suffering the sins of each one of us. You see God paying the price for each one of us. And then Paul makes it very personal. Verse 21 and 22 he said. And once you, you and me. We're alienated and hostile in our minds as expressed in our evil actions. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death. To present you holy, faultless and blameless before him. Paul is saying all this is mine and yours. He did for us. And this is what makes Paul burst into praise. It, it is what makes him to sing songs of praise. Do you remember I said, you will never love God until he becomes personal to you. So here Paul, here Paul is saying, everything Jesus did, everything Jesus did was to bring you back home. Through his death on the cross, he reconciled you to God. And this, this truth can change your life today and forever. Therefore, I say, allow this doctrine of the centrality of Jesus turns into a dynamic relationship between you and him. Let the Bible become a voice to your heart. Pray the word over yourself, over your family. And over your friends. Let the living water 
of God flow into your life. And how? You say, how can I do that? First, give Jesus the highest priority in your life. Show your love and devotion to him through a life of worship. Paul cannot talk about these things without breaking into a hymn of praise. Worship for him, worship for Paul, was not something he did once a week. Not only on Sundays. Make sure and make your relationship with Jesus the foremost priority in your life. And dedicate yourself to being a faithful follower. Read the scriptures. Spend time in prayer. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. May our gathering here on the weekends be an overflow of the worship that saturates our hearts every single other day of the week. Cultivate a lifestyle of worship to Jesus. Second, give Jesus the first place in your affections. And this might sound gushy, but is that right? <laughs> I just learned the word today. <laughs> Did I say right? All right, good, very good. <laughs> I was asking Dallas and Sammy about this. How can I say this? And they were like, ah, gushy? I was like, okay, let me Google it. And I Google it, the meaning. But yes, this might sound gushy to you, but please bear with me. Uh, last week, uh, my family and I, we were driving back home from, uh, we, we had a dinner together, and we were driving back home. So, you know, you're full. <laughs> Right, you you sit there in your car, and I just out loud I said, "I love you, Jesus." And I look at the mirror, and my my daughter was looking at me, and she was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and she said, "I love you too, Daddy." <laughs> and I was like, uh, "Honey, do you know what's the best thing to hear from someone you love? What is the best thing to hear?" From someone you love. It's to hear back, right? I love you too. Isn't that true? You tell your spouse. You tell your, your child or grandchild, I love you. And then you hear it back, I love you too. Now think about it. We know that God loves us very much. He sent Jesus to die in our place and take away our sin. Jesus came to restore our relationship with him. Don't you think he likes to hear us say, I love you too? How many times in your devotion during the day, in your quiet time, you just pause and say, Lord Jesus, I love you very much. I love you very much. Thank you for everything. I love you. I do believe he likes to hear us saying, and saying it from a heart, from the heart. That's why I tell him over and over again, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Yes, let's pursue and nurture these affections to God with all our might and with all our hearts. One of Jesus' most powerful parables is also one of his shortest. Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure 
hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Think about it. This man suddenly found something that transformed his whole outlook of life. The treasure restructured his values and priorities. It altered his goals. The treasure revolutionized this man. The treasure in this parable is the resurrection to eternal life. And I believe that eternal life is more about a person than a place. The treasure is God himself. And his value makes everything else look trifling. And he alone is worthy of the highest place in our affections. Third, as well, give Jesus the highest priority in your objectives. We must realize his kingdom is more important than ours. His story is more important than our personal stories. And why would we, would we give Jesus the priority in our objectives? Because all things, Paul said, were created by him and for him. His story is the one that goes on forever. If we live to write our own story, then it dies when we, when we die. It is like a movie. When the credit rolls, it's over, baby. <laughs> But when you come to God... He offers you a chance to become a part of his story. If your story is about you, then at the end of your life, that's it. That's the end. But if your story has been wrapped up in Jesus' story, it goes on through the ages and it never ends. And the credit never rolls because it is his story. That's why we should want Jesus and his kingdom to have the highest priority in our objectives in life. And lastly, may Jesus and his kingdom be always the highest priority in our church. We are a church for the world. By its very nature, the gospel birth church is a global church. The mandate Jesus gave us all is to take his message to all people on planet earth. We must look outward to the unreached and under-resourced of the world. That's why we do what we do. That's why we have a ministry like Leadership Outreach. That's why, why we have a ministry devoted to the next generation. That's why we have Venture Cares. Jesus said he would be with us on this mission, even to the most remote parts of the earth. So to be with Jesus is to be on the move. To lose touch with him is to settle and stay. As we, th as we staff of the church, think about our, our church and how we plan for the future, we want Jesus and his agenda to have the highest priority in our church. That's why we talk a lot about you getting involved in small groups. Being a disciple who make other disciple makers. Serving our church and community. And I say, please, be involved. Be on the move. Be on the move of Jesus.
That's why we talk a lot about global discipleship, leadership training, and church planting. Some of you might ask, all these dollars going overseas, it doesn't help our local church here in Naples at all, you might think. But my friend, you're so wrong. What we do is not for the glory or the fame of our little name, but for the glory and the fame of our great God. We do, we do this for the sake of the capital C church. It is not about the name of Venture Church. It is about God's kingdom. That's why we want each other gospel churches to succeed in our area as well. Salvation is only found in Jesus' name. And may the focus never be on us, but on him. And I want to ask you a final question. Based on everything you just heard me saying. The centrality of Christ. Is Jesus just, just important to you? Or is he truly first in your life? You gotta have to answer this question. Who is Jesus for you? You see in this chapter the centrality of everything in Jesus. How do you think our lives should respond to this? How do you think the way we live, our lifestyle, how we spend our money, I heard uh, one, one day Pastor David Platt saying that all the money necessary to fulfill the Great Commission in our generation, it is in the pockets of the Americans in the American church. Can I believe it? That we can, we can really accomplish this if we want to. But the problem is we are so self-centered so self-focused we don't put Christ as the core and the central of our being and that's who he is that's who he is I want you to I want to share with you a verse that I have been praying for me and for my family my wife, my kids and actually for our church as well uh, pray for yourself and those around you Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 6 it says the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your descendants and you will love him with all your heart and all your soul so that you will live that's how I pray this verse Lord, circumcise my heart so I can love you. I can love you more and above everything so that you can be at the center, at the core of my life and the way I live my life. And do this for my wife, 
do this for my children and for their descendants, our descendants, because we want to see this going on and on and on. So I'm praying already for my grandchildren, my grand-grandchildren, so that all of us, all of us, will be known as people that love Jesus above everything else. And if you feel, if you hear me this morning and you say, but pastor, I don't, I don't feel this way. I, I hear you saying this, it's so captivating, but I, I don't know, something's going on with me, I don't feel it. Let me tell you this, get down on your knee and ask the Lord to circumcise your heart. Start saying back to him, I know you love me and I love you. I know you love me and I love you. Help me to grow more and more in these affections for you. And once you see Jesus taking place in your affections, in your worship, in the way you live, you're going to see that Sundays, it's not just one day that you give to God. You're going to see Sunday as a day that as a body of Christ, we come together to worship the one that we have been worshiping all the rest of the week. It's so important for us. If you really want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, you have to make Jesus personal to you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you very much. And we want Jesus to be at the center of our being, of our lives. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will awaken the heart of your people and draw us close to Jesus. Lord, I pray that you do this work, circumcise our hearts so we love you, so we can love you more than anything else. Lord, we thank you so much for this day and we praise you and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.